I was a uh, practicing clinician working in a home health agency model. I wasn't allowed to dose my patients as per best practice guidelines. So I said, there's gotta be a way to do this better. My, my grandmother and my grandfather, I started seeing them going in and out of long-term care. It started personal seeing the sick side of 80, and now it's been exciting to be part of Fox. Light bulb moment, like that's a complete game changer. You can see what we can do as a practice and as treating clinicians to really make 80, 85 look so much different than it did back that long ago. And boil it down into one say, it's quite simply this, it's be stronger, live better longer. Welcome to Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast, the podcast dedicated to clinicians who work with older adults. My name is Jim Shear, and today, woo, talk about an episode. I am joined by Dr. Carol B. Lewis, physical therapy leader, innovator, speaker, author, doctor, etc., etc., etc. I should have just said PT legend, Dr. Carol B. Lewis. And I'm also joined by Fox Rehabilitation physical therapist, Aaron Baldridge. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Thank you for having us. All right. So I've got a ton of questions. But before those questions begin, both of you are here today to talk about your upcoming webinar, Decrease Your Workload and Still Give Great Care, happening on Saturday, December 9th, 12 through 3 p.m. East. If you would like to register, you can go to greatseminarsandbooks.com. All right, there we go. So now so now for my barrage of questions. Oh, goody. <laughs> all right, so we all know Dr. Carol B. Lewis. You've, you've been on the Live Better Longer podcast before. I mean, you've got your own lecture at CSM. You've written books. You've, you've lectured in almost all of the states. We're waiting for that Alaskan lecture. <laughs> I know, I know. But who is, who is this, this young person sitting next to you, Aaron Baldridge? <laughs> so I am a newbie therapist, uh, not too new. I've been uh, practicing for three years. Um, I originally practiced in Arkansas, where I'm from. Um, Can I've you been, tell? Yeah, <laughs> where I'm from. Um, so I started out in inpatient rehab. I worked in home health and uh, now I work with Fox and uh, home-based outpatient. And I live here in DC. I just moved here and started working for Fox in February. So my question is, because I saw the flyer, I thought, how did Aaron meet Carol? So how did you two meet? At one of her illustrious live in-person courses. I take her courses because they are so good. Well, she's the I've best. Been, uh, Carol's the best. I know. <laughs> so I learned so much at those courses. And I went up and talked to her on a break just because I wanted to get to know her better. And that's how we met. Yeah, we started becoming friends. Yeah. And sharing, you know, uh, <laughs> all kinds of ideas. And we go to the geriatric meetings together. So mm-hmm. he's my friend. Yeah. But you're, you live <laughs> near each other? We do. Well, we're in DC, relative in DC. We're in Northwest DC. Yeah, we're both yeah. in Northwest DC. But if you go to a function, the other could attend as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. wish I wish I lived close to Dr. Yeah. Carol. Yeah, we wish you lived close too. <laughs> I would I would go I would go with you to these functions. <laughs> They're fun. They really are. All right, so Aaron, yeah, so Aaron, you introduce yourself to Carol after mm-hmm. one of her talks, and then yeah. how does it come to be where you two are hosting a webinar together? 
Well, I moved here to DC and I, after meeting her at the course, I looked her up and said, Hey, I'm, I'm here in DC now. I would love to, you know, take you out to dinner and just, you know, get to know you better and talk about some ideas about how we can help our older, and wiser the, patients. And we did it. And the key was he offered to take me out to dinner. <laughs> I'm easy. Dinner and I'm your friend. Yeah. <laughs> so so no, you're talking, you're going to dinner and then who came up with the idea of, Hey, let's do a webinar. Oh no, this was all, okay. So I, I, I was, I've been hearing from people, you know, I, I, when I go, when I teach people say, you know, I say, what do you, what would you like? What are some of the other subjects that you would like? And what I hear is I'm working too hard. It's, I, I love what I do, but I, I spend two, three hours a night doing extra work and I, I don't know what to do. And so I, I've heard it so much that I went to great seminars and I said, look, I'm willing to do a webinar but I am not going to do it by myself. I want, I want a millennial that knows technology and that's working, you know, in, in, a, in a perspective from somebody who's younger. And so I went up to Aaron and I said, would you do this with me? And so we collaborated on a, a three hour that we, we, you know, we thought would really give people some really good ideas on how not to spend your time doing things that are extraneous that you don't have to do. And so it was really fun putting this together. And we think it's going to give therapists some great ideas for working much more efficiently. Yes. Yeah, really cool thing about having a really wonderful seasoned, you know, PT like Carol doing it with, you know, a relatively new therapist like me is we're trying to set it up to be like a conversation where she's throwing out ideas. I'm throwing out ideas from each of our perspectives. And we don't want to really lecture to people. We want it to be an interactive conversation right. between the two of our yeah. perspectives. And, and we want the audience to participate because I think there's some real problems that, I, that people will bring up that hopefully we can brainstorm and come up with answers. I mean, I think we're going to try to give a lot of answers, but, you know, we're, we're hoping people will participate as well. You sold me. You, you sold me. Like I, I didn't even have to take you out to dinner. <laughs> because I love your perspective, Carol, because you've been in the business. But I loved how you said, hey, I'm not going to do it unless I get a younger person's perspective. Because, Aaron, you probably know all of like the the terms you know, the quiet quitting. And I think there was, um, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a whole glossary of those. Right. And I have like insight into the struggles that new therapists just getting into the field are struggling with the things that we're going to be talking about, the ways that we can alleviate that with evidence-based material. What excites you most about this webinar and this topic? For me, it's that we're giving uh, evaluation tools that I don't think they may have even heard of. So oftentimes we need to check, for example, cardiovascular status. And you can spend, you know, you could do a six minute walk test or you can go all the way down to a test that's 22 seconds long. That will give you some really good information. And then I have a monitoring uh, tool that I use. It takes one minute after somebody exercises to see if and it was published in the New England Journal of Medicine to see if you're overtaxing them or you're just giving them the right amount. You know, so I'm excited. There's there's that. We have a like a rate of perceived stability, which is a very cool tool for looking at uh, how you should progress your balance programs. And then we have all kinds of treatment interventions that we're going to show that are fast, that are fast. I mean, you could. Yes. Some people have interventions that'll take you know, four hours. Yeah, that's nice, but you can get the same thing. You know, we talk about balance interventions as three minutes. 
that you can do with your patients. And you get the same results as doing these two-hour interventions. Why not do those? So that's what we're going to talk about, you know, and that excites me because I, I try not to waste time when I'm with my patients. No, you said hours to minutes. Yeah. So I am an efficiency addict. That, <laughs> that excites me from yeah. hours to minutes. Yeah. Now, Aaron, is it true you're going to talk about point of service documentation? Absolutely. So one of the biggest time sinks in all of physical therapy is documentation. And that's not all we talk about. We talk about evals, interventions, all that stuff. But we're going to hit on documentation because it's such a huge problem for people. And we're going to show videos and real life examples of the way that you can incorporate your documentation into your session and into your education you're already doing so that it doesn't come from your time. You know, that time you're spending on your documentation for your patient can happen in their session if you do it the right way and it won't detract from your rapport or your relationship with your patient. Because you do know there are many clinicians who let that pile up. You don't and then they're like, ah, like I got to do all my documentation. <laughs> There's no reason to let that happen. And we're going to show you how to not let that happen. So I think I saw this on the flyer. Once again, before you came on the podcast today, I knew you were a little skeptical. You're like, we don't want to give everything away because if we give it all away, no one's going to come to the <laughs> webinar. So feel free to tease as much as needed. Okay. Don't give away everything. But I think I saw on the flyer, it said, most effective evidence-based way to dress. Yes. Could you give us a little taste of that? Oh, no. Uh -oh. <laughs> no, but it is a public, it's published in a medical journal. Yep. All right. So you're going to tell easy, people, easy. once again, the like most effective evidence-based way to dress. To dress. Yes. That will get you the better outcomes with your patients. Mm -hmm. Not just you That's, look good. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Not just to look good. So the good. way you dress can yeah. benefit you can your patients? Yes. You can affect your patient report just by walking in the door. Yep. <laughs> yep. Ah! <laughs> that, that, that's a good teaser. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I want to know. If you want to know, once again, if you want to know, you got to go to the webinar. It's called yeah. Decrease Your Workload and Still Give Great Care, happening Saturday, December 9th. 12 to 3 p.m. East. Go to greatseminarsandbooks.com to register. And you can save $10 if you use the code WEBINAR10. That is WEBINAR10. Perfect. All right. And I've got, the, I've got the byline too. And, okay. And on the flyer, Carol, you are Supergirl. Yes. And then Aaron is The Flash. The Flash. And then yeah. the, the byline... <laughs> or the tagline of the webinar, hone your speed and superpowers to give great care. So you're <laughs> gonna save whoever attends this webinar. And oh, by the way, you also get three contact hours if you attend yep, this yep, webinar. Absolutely, absolutely. So if we all gotta get CEUs anyway, why not decrease your workload and give better care while doing so? All right, so time-wise, if someone attends this webinar, how much time are they saving in their work life? Wow. Oh, I mean, I mean, you, you could go, save, you could go day by day. You could go week by week, month by month, you, year by you year. Save, I would say hours per week. Oh, I think so. Hours. hours? Definitely. Ah! Yes, I definitely. Think... Yeah. Definitely. Totally. And you know, we've got the evidence to back it up is the thing. We're going to give you the articles that show you don't have to take our word for it. We're going to show you. All right. So anything mm -hmm. else you want to tease about the webinar before I barrage you with some other questions? Other questions. 
No, I, I, I think I, that's good. I'm good. Okay. I just I think everybody should come. I think it'll be fun, and I think you'll learn a lot. And it's on a weekend. It's on a weekend. So you can't use the excuse hours. of like, hey, like I'm doing this. Or it's on the weekend. Yeah. You should be right. off. Yeah, yeah. And it's 12 to 3, too. So if someone has evening plans, it's not going to interfere right. with like a 7 p.m. Exactly. dinner. Right. And you can sleep in. So there you, you can go. sleep in. It's perfect. <laughs> and it, wor- it works on the East Coast and West Coast. Yep. All right. So once again, let, let me say it again. Decrease your workload and still give great care happening Saturday, December 9th, 12 to 3 p.m. East. Go to greatseminarsandbooks.com to register. All right. Thank you. Thanks. So, um, Aaron... Did you know that Dr. Carol B. Lewis, she hosts a YouTube channel with Dana Logan called Exercise for Aging Well? I do. I'm I'm a subscriber. So, yes, I do. Beautiful, beautiful. Because I I watch too. And if anyone else would like to watch or subscribe, it is at Exercises for Aging. So that's the YouTube handle, at Exercises for Aging. I was watching a video on the lower back. Carol, I don't know if you know this or not, but I think you should have your own TV show. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know how much I love to be filmed. That's like my dream. <laughs> well, you're great. You look great on camera. You give great presentations. I think you would be perfect for TV. So if I produced a Carol B. Lewis television show, I would want there to be a segment called Ask Carol where people could write in physical therapy questions and then you would give them answers. Yeah, we, I've actually thought of doing like a webinar like that. For All right. Ask the expert. We're thinking of doing that. So do you, do you want to workshop it right now? Because <laughs> I, ha- I have some questions for you. Okay, go ahead. All right, so I was watching a video on exercise for aging well. Lower back pain, you were showing how to do a core exercise where okay. you lie flat, flat on your back and then you would lift your left leg up put it down and lift your right leg up and put it down. So I'm like, I'm going to do that because I have lower back pain. So I went to the floor. I did it on the left side. It was fine. And then when I did it on the right side, there was a clicking sound in my back that sounded like two bamboo posts were being knocked together. I know exactly what you're talking about. So what is that clicking sound? Was I doing something wrong or was it with my body? Did it hurt afterwards? It didn't hurt. It just made that clicking sound. Does it, did it keep doing it as you continued or did so, it stop? So every morning I'm like, why does it do that clicking sound? Every morning it makes that clicking sound. Well, so, so actually there was, there was an article in the New England Journal called Clicks, Clunks, Creeps, Crepitus. And they went through all the reasons why you hear things like that. And it's, it's as little as, which I think is probably your situation that there's a release of nitrogen gas in so your your joint in the low back each level has about nine articulations so if you slept in a position where there wasn't a lot of movement when you go to move something it may make that little poppy sound which is just the release of of gas from the joint all right so that's the simplest more involved it could be you know arthritis i doubt that's what it was because that's more of a versus a click um it could be you know a ligament or but my feeling is it's probably the release of nitrogen gas all right in the back you know in the knee there could be override in the hip it could be impingement but i'm just thinking for the back it's probably the release of nitrogen especially if it didn't hurt i mean if you were to lie on the floor right now it would do it yeah 
just on that one side. Yeah. Ooh, I, you know, then I need to put my hands on you and see what that is. You might have a facet that's, that's stuck. That just needs to be moved a little bit with a manual technique that okay. would stop it. Cause I mean, the question is when you're doing it, are you tightening your ab muscles or are you no, just lifting the leg up? I did it exactly like you and Dana said. Yeah. Well, she, she did say to keep the low back tight. I mean, to stabilize. I know she didn't say to push it back, but you actually have to contract the abdominal muscles. If you do that, I want you to tell me if you get a click. Okay. All right. Because what I think is happening is you're not contracting it and you might be getting a slight movement in the facets, Okay. which actually isn't good, which means you probably should stop doing it. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, but yeah, no, you need to stabilize when you do that exercise. So I, I should and do I it you, and I shouldn't hear that click. You shouldn't hear that click. Okay. I mean, you, you could hear it a few times in the morning. You're just releasing nitrogen gas. If you keep hearing it, you've got movement going on in a facet. And I shouldn't do that movement then. No. Well, oh, okay. you should do it, but you need to tighten the abdominals tighten. to stabilize. Okay. Which I, I'm pretty sure she said that. But I think what worries me, and this is what worries me about a YouTube channel, and it, the reason it's great that therapists see it, so when they go show their patients, they can say, you need to stabilize when you do this. Right, because just lifting your leg isn't going to do anything. Stabilizing your pelvis and lifting your leg definitely would help. Because I um I did the wrong thing over the weekend. I asked someone else besides Dr. Carol B. Lewis, and I don't even <laughs> remember who I asked. And they said, "Oh, you got arthritis." I'm like, no. "What? What? No, okay." No, no. Arthritis won't sound like that, and like a click. It'll, it's yeah, I doubt that it's that. I mean, you might be developing it if you keep doing it wrong. Right. So I got to <laughs> so do it right. Stop. All right. Yeah. So when we get done, I'm going to have you get down on the floor and show me or I'll show you, okay? okay. All right, okay. so next question. There is a 71-year-old person who had a hip replacement surgery within the last two years. She worked as an overnight nurse for over 20 years. She cannot get to sleep at night. What should she do? Because there was also a video on your channel about, I, I believe, sleep hygiene. So do you, do you want to, you know, should you want me to answer Go for all this? It. Okay. Let's so you can chime in. <laughs> hey, Aaron, Aaron, you can chime in. You got to practice for that webinar. Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> no, no. So did it just start when she got her hip replacement? No. So okay. I believe, I believe she did sleep maybe better, but historically because of that overnight shift, she hasn't been able to sleep well at night. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not a sleep expert, but um, from a PT perspective, number one, she needs to exercise. Is she exercising? During the day, but walks. So something more intense than maybe a, a walk? A walk's good. The more exercise, the better. It tires the body. Okay. What she has to do is change her schedule. So she has to look at when she sleeps. Is she sleeping from, you know, uh, 10 to two or when is she sleeping and then she the, the cognitive behavioral literature says you need to slowly move that to where you want it i mean she's used to seven to three in the day probably mm -hmm. if she does the night shift yeah correct and so she has to get her body to move it around the clock if she's only being able to sleep at like 2 a.m to you know, 6 a.m., she's got to start moving it to 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., you know what I mean? So that she slowly gets to a regular schedule. And it's not easy to do. I mean, it, you have to be patient, stay off 
your electronic equipment? Does she take anything like melatonin or any of that? Do you I, know? I don't think so. Well, I would definitely take a melatonin. Those are pretty okay in terms of sleep. Okay. Um, so she might want to try that. There's all kinds of other things. There's magnesium. If she doesn't have magnesium, and again, I sound like a physician, but uh, you can look in the literature. Magnesium helps regulate people's sleep back to the circadian rhythms, which is where she's got to go. That's what melatonin does too. Um, so those will help. Watching um, caffeine intake when she's doing taking right. caffeine. Yeah, definitely. If she's yeah. taking caffeine late in the day, that's terrible. And the uh, teas help, like chamomile tea at night. Okay. You know, when she's trying to sleep, that that's good too. A lavender oil actually lavender. as a, as aromatherapy has yep, evidence yep. behind it as a sedative as well. Yep. Okay. So actually, I have one, a little uh, diffuser. Right. And make sure you want to get the Labondula augustifolia lavender, not the spike lavender. There's a difference, and the literature really only supports the Labondula augustifolia. Oh, you have to look at my lavender that, see if I have. That's one. impressive. Okay. That's impressive right there. Aaron. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Just a, a quick little side note. On one of your videos, you said that you can actually exercise before you go to bed and it helps you yeah. sleep. Uh, let, let me qualify that. You you <laughs> actually can exercise, but you should give yourself some. Don't do it like if you're going to go to sleep at nine o'clock, don't exercise at 830. <laughs> you give at least an hour. Right. Yeah, at least an hour. and Because I do. I exercise twice. I exercise. I go for a walk run in the morning. And then at four o'clock or five o'clock, whenever I'm done with my patients in my day, I'll do the elliptical for a half hour and stretching. But that's at five o'clock. And then I go to bed, you know, later. That's perfect. The You don't want to push it, especially if this kind of person is having trouble sleeping. Don't push it too close. Okay. You know, at least, at least an hour, maybe even more for somebody like that. Okay. But you could theoretically <laughs> exercise at seven and then go to bed at nine. So exercise from yeah, seven to seven thirty. Yeah, that you can definitely do. All right. That you can definitely do. But they're not. The literature suggests not. You know, right before you go to bed. Right. Because I I was in a position once in my life where I had to work out for something, and the only time I had to work out was before I went to bed. And I thought this is going to keep me up all night. So I would work out. I would wait a half hour, and I fell asleep like a baby. Yep. Yep. No. Yeah. And and everybody's different too. You know, you see people, I see people drinking coffee at eight o'clock at night. I wouldn't sleep at all, <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, it doesn't affect me. And it, it does. You, you're one of those, right? I, I, yeah, I can't do that. No, oh, I, I don't drink coffee. Okay. Okay. I have one cup in the morning. That's it. Yeah. So. No, I, I've been with people that can drink and I'm like, I can't do that. All right. So this is my last question in our okay. Ask Carol beta. Okay. So I just visited my 91, almost 92-year-old grandmother who's in the hospital. So she broke her right femur, and then Oof. after that healed, then she broke her left femur and her left ankle. Oh, my gosh. So I, I was visiting with my grandmother yesterday, and I said, hey, I'm going to be talking with a physical therapy legend this week. Do you have a question for her? So she says, why do you have to do physical therapy when it hurts your body to do so? So she feels worse when she does physical therapy? No, there's a little bit of pain involved, like of getting up out of bed. She has to put a, a boot on and she says it hurts to do physical therapy. Yeah. And we've been saying, hey, grandma, you have to do physical therapy because that's the only way you're going to get better. So she said, so well, how do you do physical therapy when it hurts your body to do so? 
Did she ever exercise? Was she kind of a non-exerciser? No. So my grandma has actually been a, a guest on the Live Better Longer podcast. Oh, okay. And she's been active her whole adult life. She would go golfing. She would walk at the mall. And she lived at home independently until she broke her right femur. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because what I find is there's there's a subgroup of older people that never exercise. And they seem to be in great shape until they hit about 90. And then they fall apart because they've never, they have no muscle tone. And then everything hurts that you try to do with them. But she's not one of those. No, so, so she I, was always active. Yeah, so so the, the right hip fracture really hurts her and, the, and still? It's just the getting up, putting on the boot, and then going through that physical therapy session. I would check where the pain is and when it hurts her. Um, so, so the right one's healed, yes? The right one is healed. And that doesn't hurt anymore? I believe, I don't think so, no. Okay, so now the left uh, one is painful? So it just hurts her to do physical therapy. Like there's little aches and pains of going through the motions and the exercises of physical therapy. Okay. Which I've heard uh, from my parents, like after their surgeries, they're like, I didn't want to do physical therapy. It hurt me, but like I, I did it because I know I needed to do it. Okay. All right. Well, I think you have to, you know, okay. So if she was an exerciser and she really exercised, real exercisers know that pain, you get pain. I mean, a good stretch, according to numerous studies show that you need to feel pain on a scale of zero to 10 as a seven. Or you're not getting a good stretch. You know, when people go, oh, I'm stretching it, you know, and they don't feel anything, that's not a stretch. That is a stretch. So you got to feel the pain. So that's a a natural part of physical therapy. Yes, for stretching, for sure. Now, for strength training, the muscles should feel sore. And if something's healing, you know, it might feel sore. What, What I would be concerned about is how painful she feels after that. You know, does it last on a scale of zero to 10? What is it? Um, you know, maybe they're, they are pushing her too hard. I, doubtful. But I do think that you do have pain with some of these things while you're healing. And then eventually you don't even know which hip it was. You know, that's what I say to my patients. It's, it's going to hurt. When I work out, it doesn't feel good, you know, but I know that it's making me stronger and better. You know, I think that's what you have to explain to her. Working out isn't fun. You know, yes, dancing's fun. You know, so that's like a aerobic thing that's fun. But true strength training, you know, it's it's hard work. True stretching, hard work. You know, so it's gonna it's gonna hurt. But in order to get stronger, you do gotta get up out of the bed, correct? Definitely. Absolutely. And you gotta do the exercises. So my only concern is the I would ask the therapist to follow up on how long she has the pain and where is it? Is it joint pain? You know, is it muscle pain? You know, muscle pain could hurt for days, but it's in the muscle. And that's a good thing. I mean, you know, you strength train. If you do a really good workout or you work your abs, they are sore. All right. And that's good. If you don't do that, you're probably not doing all that much. So Carol, are you saying no pain, no gain? No, I would never say that. I hate that expression. <laughs> you need you need some pain for some exercises. So she has to understand that. All right. So last question. This is c- kind of connected to the my last question. You know me. I always have like five last questions. Um, and this involves you too, Aaron. How awesome. do you motivate a patient to do physical therapy who doesn't want to do it? 
And then how do you motivate a PT to work on a patient like that? Because it may be discouraging. You're like, come on, like we got to do, I don't want to do PT. I don't want to get up out of bed. So how do you motivate the patient? How do you motivate the PT? I think motivation needs to be intrinsic rather than extrinsic to be totally effective. So you have to ask them questions to get them involved in their own care. So focusing on what matters to them and what their goals are. You know, if your goal is to be able to pick up your grandchildren, but you're, you know, you just broke your hip and you're laying in bed every day. How do you think, how do you, how do you see that transition going from laying in bed to being able to pick up your grandkids if we don't do this right now, you know, get them to start to realize, you know, physical therapy is not something that can be done to you. Like I'm there to guide you and help you, but you've got to do the work and to get the benefit. And you don't want to end up in a chair. You don't want to end up in a bed. These are your goals. Let's let's do the work now, and then you'll be able to do those things, and it'll be over with. So you sell yeah. them on the things that they want to do. Absolutely, because they have to they have to find that motivation inside them. I can encourage and say, "Let's go, let's go, mm-hmm. let's go," but that's an extrinsic motivator, and they're not as effective as if you inspire someone to realize that they they can do it for themselves. And then as a PT, you almost got to search for them almost like, is it this? Is it that? Like what'll get you up? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So finding what matters to them and helping them realize the steps to do those things. um, That's, that's how I go about that. I know. I love it. I love it. Matters most of the four M's. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's important. You know, what do you want to do? What's important to you? And then if it's really small, just work on that and then expand it out to there. And show them how what you're doing is going to make a difference for that. And then, Aaron, what about a physical therapist? Maybe they haven't worked a lot with the geriatric population and they can't get someone to do their physical therapy. Like, how do you motivate that PT to keep on going? You got to look for your successes and not just look at what you perceive to be your failures, I think, because extrinsically motivating people, like I just said, you're not going to be successful 100% of the time. And, you know, if you can look at times that you have really helped people, I think that will help pull you through the times where someone won't help themselves no matter what you do. We all have those patients, you know, not everyone does 100% of everything they need to do. We get the most we can and, and we're thankful for that. And then we see what we did to help people achieve independence when we could. And, you know, focusing more on that rather than the negative or getting down on yourself because this patient didn't do what they were supposed to do, I think is really important. So you're saying even if you can't get 100%, maybe 80% is good enough. If that's what okay. you can get, that's yeah, if that's what you can get. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right. All right. So uh, both of you can invoice me after this podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, thank you. That is like helpful stuff. And then when we uh, when we start piloting your TV show, Carol, we'll we'll use this footage. Okay, yeah. sure. All right. So, yeah, I want a guest spot on there. Okay, by the way. for sure. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go because you need to rest your voices for your webinar. Decrease your workload and still give great care. Happening Saturday, December 9th, 12 to 3 p.m. East. If you would like to register, go to greatseminarsandbooks.com. Final question before we leave. Uh, Thanksgiving week. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? And then you can go. And you don't even have to answer this question. You can say, Jim, I- I've answered your last question five times today. I'm done. But uh, I'm having dinner and I'm Aaron's invited. Really? So, I'm having my family, well, parts of my family. Um, and and Aaron's is coming with one of the guests. 
Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm actually not really making dinner. There's a guy in the neighborhood that makes <laughs> these dinners. <laughs> Doesn't it look really good? It looks delicious. Yeah, I'm a terrible man. cook. Yeah, ask my wait. kids what I make for dinner. They'll tell you reservations. But it's like traditional <laughs> turkey, yeah, gravy, yeah. stuffing, it's, mashed yeah, potatoes. Turkey stuffing, you know, mashed potatoes, cranberries. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I'm not even cooking it. I'm just <laughs> buying it. <laughs> well, happy Thanksgiving. I am thankful for the time that you gave to me today. I appreciate We're it. We're thankful for you. Thank you for letting us promote our, <laughs> Thank our you webinar. So much. And it was so nice to talk to no, you. No, I'm Thank excited you. about it. I hope you're having a fun Thanksgiving. Yes, absolutely. We're going to just uh, hang out in New York City, watch the parade of the football games and have wow. the turkey, graving, uh, you know, mashed potatoes, all that good stuff. Oh, uh, good, good. Yes. Fun. All right. So happy Thanksgiving. If you're listening in real time, that is happening tomorrow. So for Dr. Carol B. Lewis and Aaron Baldridge, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yins later.